And if you forgot to set your clock, you got here a little early, which is better than being late. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for this wonderful time to come and worship you and to hear the word of God. And I ask you to bless us today. I ask you to anoint your word. And I ask you, Lord, touch Sister Christian's grandfather. He's very ill today. In Jesus' name and everybody, let me just read a few scriptures. You don't have to stand since I just told you you could sit down. I'm reading from the book of Luke, chapter 1 and verse 5. And there was in the days of Herod, the king of Judah, a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, and there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God, and he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make a, a ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, I'm pretty sure that nobody here today has been working and an angel appeared. Um, that might be a joyful occasion, and it might scare the be jabbers out of you. Sister Craft, our pastor's wife, used to pray to see an angel all the time. Lord, just let me see an angel. Let me see an angel. And she was right. Riding down the highway one day on the way to a little place they had in Jonesville, Louisiana, and she looked in her rearview mirrors, and there was an angel on either side of the car. And she was all happy about that. Well, I'm happy about the presence of angels, but I don't want to see one while I'm driving. As I told a Texas highway patrolman who pulled me over one day, was up above Moss Hill on 146 North. He said, sir, the reason I pulled you over, he said, I just want to ask you, are you okay? I said, yeah, why? He said, well, you're kind of all over the road. I said, I'm just not a very good driver. He said, okay, just try to keep it in one lane. I said, okay, thank you. 
thank you. Not, not drinking or anything, just not a very good driver. But I wouldn't be a good driver if I was having to look out for angels all the time. I have had experiences with um, the supernatural, but I wasn't asking for it. Years ago, after Sister Craft passed away, I was out on Brother O'Brien's ranch in West Texas. I was out there turkey hunting, and I had the Lord had sent me a big old fat gobbler by, and he decided to stay with me. I was sitting in an old folding chair I'd found out in front of Brother O'Brien's old place. It's an old big old double wide trailer he had that. Uh, Sister Craft used to, Crafts both would go out there, and they had a lot of wonderful times. But Brother O'Brien had passed away, and Sister Craft too, and and I think Sister O'Brien was gone, and the land was in a trust. But I'm sitting out there, and the light's fading, and I'm just enjoying God's wonderful nature, and probably drinking a Diet Coke. And I happened to look over to the mobile home. And I saw a man standing there looking at me. And he looked very stern. And I remember thinking, well, I had a shotgun right there. I wasn't going to shoot the trailer. But I remember thinking, it'll be okay. I mean, what's he going to do? I didn't have enough sense to jump up and run. And then he just faded away. And I, I mean, that's not good. Well, I looked back, and Sister Mary Frances Craft was standing there looking at me. And she was holding a cup of coffee, and she was smiling. And um, I described her to Brother Craft later. I said, I saw Sister Craft. I said, but she was very slim, and she was a rather large woman. She was very slim, had her hair back in an old, old-fashioned bun, and even had one of these little hairnets like cafeteria ladies used to wear. He said, son, that's what she looked like when I married her. This angel appeared, appeared to Zacharias, and he has and he has good news. Verse 8, and it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office, before God in the order of his course. You know what I've, I have learned in my life? God never calls lazy people. I know that may sound judgmental in today's society. He never calls lazy people. He always calls people who are already doing something. What are you doing for God? What are you doing? You say, well, I'm praying. I play Fortnite for a living. That's not a job. I can't believe I even know what Fortnite is. I wish I didn't even know what it was. I know because of my my grandkids. But he never calls lazy, lazy people. Moses, the Bible says that Moses kept the flock of Jethro when he saw the burning bush. And you know the and you know the rest of the story. There's so many there's so many examples. Gideon was threshing wheat. Actually, he was hiding threshing wheat. 
But when the angel appeared, he called him. He said, thou mighty man of valor. <laughs> well, he was hiding. Well, at least he was doing something. He didn't want the enemy to get his wheat. And he turned out to be a great man of valor. Elisha was plowing when he was called to preach. He was plowing. He wasn't sitting there picking his teeth. He wasn't, he wasn't uh, putting in job applications hoping he wouldn't get one. He wasn't sitting on the dock of the bay. Watching the ships go by. He was he was working. He was David was in the sheepfold before he ever, and that's when he was called, he was working with the sheep. Matthew was in the toll booth. Taking tax money. Everybody said we we got that one. God never uses lazy people. Oh, but I'm just so spiritual. If you're lazy, I don't care how spiritual you are. My daddy used to tell me, he said, son, lazy people can't be saved. I said, dad, are you sure? He said, oh, yeah, they don't even have the Holy Ghost. I said, do you have scripture for that? He said, I'm pretty sure it's in there somewhere. Well, I'm not, I'm not saying that. But I, I can say with authority that if you, if you don't get that lazy bone out of you, 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 better, you better get it out. You're going to have a terrible life. You're going to have a hard life. You're going to fall in the category of great American. John Wayne said this once. Life is hard, especially if you're stupid. Now let me insert especially if you're lazy. So, anyway, God doesn't call lazy, lazy people. When this angel appeared to Zacharias, he said, you're going to call his name John. Now, I want to go to verse 18. And Zechariah said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife well stricken in years. And here's what the angel says. Here was his answer as to how you're going to know. I am Gabriel. An angel has appeared to you with great news, and you want to know, well, but I, you know how, but I, but oh. And he says, I am Gabriel. And here's how you'll know, dummy. No pun intended. Verse 20 And behold, thou shalt be dumb. This dumb means and not able to speak. Until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And verse 21 says, And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. What was he doing in there? He said, Well, he was talking to the angels. No, he wasn't. He couldn't talk. And the angel was gone. He wasn't hanging around. He has things to do. He's Gabriel. What was he doing? Verse 21, the people waited for Zacharias, marveled that he tarried so long in the temple. 
And verse 22 says, And when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had a vision in the temple, for he beckoned unto them and remained speechless. What was he doing? I, 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 know, I already know. Most people, me, if an angel had spoken to me, really great news. I'd probably torn out of there, run to tell Sister Grant. Only I couldn't talk. And I'd be going. Even though he had gotten wonderful news that he didn't believe, and he'd been smitten dumb, he couldn't talk, he didn't leave his post. Here's what verse 9 and 10 says. According to the custom of the priest's office, his lot or his job was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. It was time for incense to be burned for a certain length of time, and the people were praying and just because he'd seen an angel and been stricken dumb, he wasn't going to quit his job. I've got kinfolk in Louisiana that used to quit their job every deer season. If the boss wouldn't let him off, his name's Shelby Richardson. My dad told me, Shelby told me, I've been with him when he's deer hunting, and I said, you didn't have to work. He said, he wouldn't let me off, so I quit. I like to deer hunt. I don't care if you deer hunt. Don't quit your job. I don't care if you play golf. Don't quit your job over golf. I'm pretty sure it's going to get a hole in one that day. Yeah, everybody thinks that. I read a little story one time. It said that a preacher skipped church to go play golf. He was a pastor. And he just called in sick, went to play golf. First hole, Brother Myers, he had hole in one. Second hole, he had hole in one. He shot the best game of his life. And Gabriel, Gabriel gets around a lot. Gabriel, in this story, Gabriel was there. Gabriel looked at the Lord and said, Lord, how could you bless that man like that? He skipped church, and he's made two hole-in-ones. And, and the Lord said, who's he going to tell? But this man stood there and finished his job and did what he was supposed to do. I want to I want to refer back to Dr. Pillai. I tried to I tried to find out one this is Bishop Casey Pillai that I mentioned last Sunday. How many heard heard me talk about that? He is a uh, a an expert on Eastern, Eastern religion, Eastern philosophy. He grew up as a Hindu. He is a Christian. He's written several books, and I've tried to find tried to find out when the copyright was on this book. And I, I haven't been able to find it. It's called Light Through an Eastern Window, and it's been out of print for years, and years, and years. Probably was written in the '60s. <clears throat> and I only say that because of a reference that I'm gonna I'm gonna make. Let me say this first. 
How many of you believe the Bible is the Word of God? Of, co of course you do. How many of you believe it is a divine inspired Word of God? How many of you believe that it is infallible and there, is, there are no mistakes? Now, I, I believe that. I believe every inspired word in the Word of God is correct. How, however, I'll jump up and run out, but however, I believe when the Lord inspired these holy men and they wrote the scripture in Hebrew, archaic Hebrew, or, or they, they wrote it in Greek, I believe that it was exact. But the ancient Hebrew being translated to Greek, then to Latin, and then to Old English, there are some things in the Word of God that I, I don't think have, I know they have, they have not been translated correctly. One of the problems is this, Hebrew, even Greek, these are beautiful, melodic, they're, they're like French, wonderful languages. English is a very vulgar, and I don't mean Donald Trump vulgar, I mean, I love Trump, but he's a vulgar book bear. Anyway, vulgar means low there are wonderful melodic phrases in Hebrew that cannot be translated correctly into English. We have really, really very basic language, and it doesn't make any sense. There's some words that mean three or four different things. Same word, same spelling, same inflection. But they mean completely different things depending on their context. So I believe the Word of God is true, and I believe every theme in the Bible is true. I don't believe there's anything important even that was mistranslated. However, I do some, believe some things were mistranslated. And I want to refer to Dr. Pillai only because it's interesting. Let's consider Job 39 and 10. Job 39 and 10. And, and also, this form of English where they said ye and thou and and thee and a lot of the words are not the same that we would say today. <laughs> I know an evangelist, he was very fond of this joke. I thought it was funny the first time I heard it. He said that there was there was a Quaker that a Burglar broke into his house, and the burglar's downstairs, and he's up here pointing a shotgun at him down the stairs. And he says to him, I would do thee no harm for the world, but thee standest where I am about to shoot. A lot of these thou's and different. But Job 39 and 10, canst thou bind the unicorn with the band in the furrow, or will he harrow the valleys after thee? How many know what a unicorn is? You can raise your hand. I'm not trying to scare you. How many of you know what a unicorn is? Oh, you know, come you know. How many ever seen a unicorn? I've seen little unicorn figurines. I've never seen a unicorn. You know why? Because there aren't any unicorns. Well, Brother Grant, I read a story about it. Yeah, they're in stories. They're where? They're stories. Unicorns. This magical horse animal 
that has a long kind of curly horn coming out of his head, one horn, a unicorn, and he's a wonderful thing, and you have to be very pure of heart or you can't even touch him or ride him or he'll stab you with his horn. What in the world is unicorn doing in the Bible? Because it don't exist. Well, this was an old English form of expression. The most correct root word for unicorn is bull. Sometimes it means a wild bull. They're very strong. But can you go out there and get a wild bull, find you one, rope him, and plow with him? Oh, no, he will stick his wild horns in you. It's just not a very good translation of that word. Now, you say, well, I'm just going to have to backslide. Start, I'm just going to start drinking, doing drugs, and playing Fortnite. No. <laughs> don't do that. I don't care if it says unicorn. I know it's wild bull. Isaiah 13, 21. But wild beasts of the desert shall lie there, and their houses shall be full of doleful creatures, and owls shall dwell there, and satires shall dance. When I say satire or satire, I don't mean S-A-T-I-R-E. I don't mean sarcastic poems. A satyr in Greek mythology was half goat and half man. And they danced around on their little goat feet and stood up in their hairy little lower bodies and played flutes. But they weren't real. Oh, God, the Bible's not true. I <laughs> don't be goofy. The best, the best root word for it means, guess what it means? Goat. The goats are going to dance. Well, I've never seen any goats dancing. I've seen them jump around a little. But the goats are going to dance. Not half man, half goat. But just goat. Just not a good translation. Isaiah 35 and 7, And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water. In the habitation of dragons, where each shall lay and be grass with reeds and rushes, dragons, fire-breathing lizards, which don't exist. You say, what, what is going on? Now, this was kind of interesting to me because in the old English languages, old form, they used to call a lot of things dragons. In fact, I saw a picture, a replica, or a picture of a replica of an old mariner's map of the ocean. It'd have, little, it'd have rocks, and it'd have reefs. <laughs> then there was one really, really scary area that something happened. What happened? Mermaids? Well, I don't believe mermaids either. A little half People with their fishy and their girly, girly fishy too. I don't believe in them. I think a sailor had a little too much wine to drink, and a manatee came by and looked up at him. 
You're the only girl for me. You jumped in the ocean and drowned. That's what I think. But the habitation, but one place on that map said this, because he was trying to warn wary sailors, it is said, there be dragons. <laughs> right in here, there be dragons. In the middle of the ocean, yeah, there, there be dragons. But every place in the scripture where it uses the word dragon, the, the root word means snake, serpent, the devil, that old dragon. Well, he was called a serpent or a snake. Now, you say, why in the world are we going down this road? Carl, I want to give you something from from. Bishop Pillai. Not for me. Everybody say, not for Brother Graham. Don't run out here and say, I said this or I did that. But not, not for me. It's from the bishop. I'm pretty sure he's dead, so he does not mind. But before they get to that, let me, let me, this is from light from the eastern window. And I thought this was really, really interesting. And I'm watching the time. But he writes that Easterners and the Eastern way of thinking that they want to do a service to God when it comes to mourning and funerals. Even the princes of the land, they want to do the right thing. And, and he goes on to say that even a prince will attend the funeral of a beggar if he is a beggar in his town. Not be his family, but if it's his town and his community, everybody shows their respect to the deceased. And in Matthew 8 and 21, <clears throat> where the Lord said, follow me to a young man, and this young man said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. And this is an old saying, which means this, my father's old, and I don't know when he'll pass away. Let me go and see him buried before I come. And Jesus replied, let the dead bury their dead. That's Matthew 8 and 22. But Dr. Pillai says this is a misinterpretation of an Eastern idiom which should read like this. Let the town bury their dead because it was the custom for the whole town to turn out that the whole town takes part in funerals. They dress the body in the best clothes that the person owned. If it's a woman, she's buried in her wedding clothes. You say, well, what if she can't get in? I don't, I'm not, I don't know about that. Just they bury her in the wedding clothes. If it's a bishop, he's buried in his robes and so forth. The body is taken on a stretcher that looks like a beer, B-I-E-R. That's what it is taken to the cemetery, and it's called... A wheel. It's called a wheel. There are several main pallbearers, but the other men make it a point to assist sometimes during the trip to the graveyard. This is the origin of the saying, put your shoulder to the wheel. The eldest son of is of great importance in the burial. If a man does not have a son, he adopts one 
for this purpose. The sun carries a clay bowl gilded with gold on the outside and filled with burning coals. This bowl is broken by the sun at the head of the grave to symbolize the soul departing the body. The only woman who may accompany the body is the wife, if there is one. For she goes to the grave to loosen the silver cord she received when she married him. And put it in the grave with the body. Paul in Romans 7 and 2 said, if the, if the husband be dead, she is loosed from the law of her husband. She must then immediately leave. Because the men who've been bearing the beer, the wheel, must go to the fountain of the cemetery and wash themselves. The pitchers which are used are then broken so that any contamination connected with a dead person will not be spread. The women wash at home. They wash the whole house, collecting the clothes of the deceased and burning them. And he says, this is why Ecclesiastes 12 and 6 says this. Or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. It was all because of old Eastern customs. And I've got I've got a little bit of time left. And I want to share this with you. And again, this is from Dr. Tapalai, who is a Christian and from, and from the Word of God. I think it's profound. I've already tried it out on Sister Grant. And she gave me the, oh boy, not the, oh, brother. I mean, she, she would never say that. She doesn't talk like that. She's a sweetheart. But she has great facial expressions to guide me in my journey. And sometimes when I'm preaching, I look at her. Sometimes I don't look over there because I know I'm not doing right. <laughs> I know I've gotten out of the path a little bit. But I want to read from Matthew 27, and verse 46, and about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, when this happened, the Bible says in verse 47 that some of them that stood there, when they heard that, they said, this man called, calleth for Elias. And others said, well, let's wait and see if Elias will come and save him. Of course, they watched Jesus die. Because the Bible says not long after that, he gave up the ghost and died. Now, Dr. Palais says that 
these words, Eli, Eli, Lama, the best and I. I have no idea what that really means. Okay, now here, now here's what Dr. Pillai says. Number one, these words were in the original, one of the original translations. I, I cannot truthfully say if it was Greek, if it was Latin, but one, when it was first translated, there was no translation. <laughs> they left it that it said, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sebastian, and that's all that it said. At a later time, somebody finally dug around, what does this mean? And he also says, bear this in mind. Those words right there, unlike the rest of the Scripture, unlike the rest of the Word, everything else in the book of Matthew, this is the only thing that was written in what they called archaic Galilean. Jesus was from Galilee. He was a Galilean. This was a local dialect. And when he said that, a lot of people didn't understand because they thought he was calling for Elias to come and save him. Not many even knew. And, and, and Dr. Pilas says this. He says this. Now, understand, this is back in the 60s when this was written. I'm sure this man's dead. You can't go to the bookstore and get this. Until the advent of the Internet, you won't get anywhere. I looked for it for years and years and years and years. Couldn't find it because I heard A.D. Spears loved it. Well, give them, brother. He said, I don't know. They've been out of print for years. You, can't, you just can't find them. And you can't unless you go on abe.com on the Internet. And I think there were five copies, <laughs> one in Connecticut, one in, and I, and I ordered one. And they sent it to me. says one time this was, this belonged to Messenger College Library. And that belongs to me for about five ninety seven. But he said, he says that, and this is writing then, he said there are very few Aramaic scholars today, since only about 20,000 people still exist who speak this archaic Galilean language, which is the language that Jesus spoke. Now, let me back up a little bit. He says that, let me read what he says. The phrase Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabathani is a phrase in the Aramaic language which is apparently not even translated into English for many centuries. When someone finally ventured to translate it, they seem to have lifted it from the first verse of Psalm 22, which incidentally appears to be in error in the King James Version. Psalms 22 and 1 should read, my God, my God, why hast thou let me live? Instead, Psalms 22 and 1 was interpreted, why hast thou forsaken me? And he feels like that some scholar said, well, that must be what it meant. And then he goes on to say there's very few Aramaic scholars 
Then he says, however, these scholars that he knew personally assure me that the phrase should be spelled Eli, Eli, Lemana, Shabak, Thani. Little different spelling. And the correct translation is My God, my God, for this I was spared. Or, my God, my God, this was my destiny. <laughs> He said, well, I don't like that. I'm, stick, I'm sticking with one side for that. That's just fine. I'm good with either one of them. Don't need a backslide over it. But I sure like that one a whole lot better. Now, Mr. Polite goes on to say this. If the correct interpretation is, for this I was spared, or this was my destiny, and then a few minutes later the Bible says he gave up the ghost, he said, this now puts the scripture in line with what John said in John 19 and 30. It is finished. I've got goosebumps up under my clothes. There's another translation, the Peshitta text that says, it is fulfilled. He goes on to say, and he's a devout Christian. He said, don't let anybody tell you the word of God's full of contradictions. It's true there have been a few errors in translation. But you can be sure that the original word as received by holy men of God who spoke as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost was perfect. And he goes on to say, some Bible students have been distressed with me over teaching that Jesus actually says, for this I was spared instead of why hast thou forsaken me? Because they've been taught that the latter phrase was the human side of Christ crying out and that after God had heaped all the sins of the world on him, he couldn't bear to look, so he turned his back on Jesus for a while. And he says, this is a laudable attempt to explain the phrase, but it does not agree with the rest of Scripture. <laughs> it's not me. This Dr. Pilot. You say, well, I'm, yeah, I'm going to get mad. I'm leaving. I'm going to Shoney's restaurant right now. Well, don't forget to leave a good tip. This is Dr. Pilot. He says it does not agree with the rest. All Scripture was inspired by God, and he does not contradict himself. Many, many places in the Bible God promises, I will never forsake thee. And then <laughs> this is just a Trinitarian Christian, and he says, and then Jesus said, my father and I, or one. He says the last remark of Jesus was a cry of victory. He bore his suffering gladly, 
just as gladly as any soldier who's wounded in battle for his country. If a soldier's willing to die for his country, how much more was Christ willing to die that we might have eternal life? And then he says, as a final proof, may I point out that the noted historian Josephus, and I've read Josephus' writings, and yes, he did mention Jesus. In case somebody told you he didn't, oh, he, he, he did. We say, well, how old? How old? He was a he was a contemporary of Jesus. He heard about Jesus, knew about Jesus, wrote about Jesus. He says, as a final proof, may I point out the noted historian Josephus, who was a contemporary of Jesus, failed to make mention of any weakness or despair expressed by him on the cross. His enemies would have been only too glad to report any such remark had Jesus really uttered it, but there is no such record. You say, well, Brother Grant, that, you're not going to change my mind. I'm not trying to change your mind. I'm good to go with all of it. But in my heart, in my heart, I'm going to believe Jesus said, for this I was spared. Because he's looking at his sweet mama. He's already given her away. He told the apostle John, he said, John, behold your mother. Woman, behold your son. He was breaking all ties with this earth. And I believe in his last moments, I believe He said, it is finished. For this I was spared. And the Bible says he gave up the ghost. And the veil in the temple was rent from the top to the bottom. Yes, sir, Brother Grant, you're getting excited about little old bitty tiny thing. (laughs) Yes, yes, I am. The Word of God is very exciting to me, and the work of God is very exciting to me. Amen. I've already taken a minute of your time. Let's stand together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you for your tender mercies. Thank you that this gospel was proclaimed to be for you, and for your children, and for their children, and as many as the Lord our God shall call. And I'm glad you called us. And everybody said amen. God bless you. Take a break. We'll get cranked up again in about 15 minutes. Will somebody check the air? Because I've gotten hot and worked up.